You're listening to the Rubbish Trip Podcast. Two no-waste nomads talk trash with people in Aotearoa, New Zealand. In the heart of Palmerston North, the Whole Grain Organics Cafe and Store boasts a bright, welcoming atmosphere on one of the city's busiest streets. While it may be best known for its delicious plant-based pizzas, pasta and baking made from whole grain flours milled on site from largely locally sourced grains, behind all this lies an organisation devoted to so much more than a wholesome meal. All of Whole Grain Organics profits go to their community outreach and education arm, Hands On Food. They run food cooking workshops for 12 to 19 year olds, where participants learn comprehensive skills in preparing and cooking wholesome, nutritionally balanced meals, as well as serving and selling their creations to the public. Whole Grain Organics has more recently been developing organic gardens around Palmerston North to supply their cafe and sell fresh organic produce at local markets. The hands-on food program has now expanded to gardening to complete the students' garden-to-table food learning experience, and Whole Grain Organics are expanding this model with the development of a substantial garden at a local school. In this podcast, we talk to Robert Hall, owner of Whole Grain Organics, about how health and nutrition, community outreach and education, and environmental sustainability and resilience all come together in their work. We began our conversation by asking Rob how it all started. I guess there were a couple of reasons for starting Whole Grain Organics. Firstly, it was the supply of good quality produce and ingredients for people to cook at home. Because we were cooking. And um, then we started supplying our friends, neighbours and so on. And there was a need for um, people to be able to receive affordable, organic dry goods and produce. From there though, it became more and more about education. And now, today, we do that with the local schools. So at any one time, we work with seven to nine local schools in Palmerston North. And it started with working in the kitchen. And we decided rather than to have that model at a school where you work in the kitchen there, we wanted a place where students could come and interact with the community. Mm. So we still go to schools, we still do the work at schools, but mm. we also can bring students here to our kitchen and Whole Grain Organics and give a connection through that cooking right into the community. So there's mm. a lot of interaction between the students and cooking and baking for the public. Mm. And the public give feedback on the work that they're doing and that helps the students, you know, they get mm. instant feedback. Mm. And that helps the students to refine what they're doing and, and know what they're doing better. And then it was another natural step then to go into the gardening because we wanted to supply fresh produce, especially to the kitchen. And then the same thing happened. There was a need to supply our friends and neighbours with produce because that became very hard to find. And we thought we would be able to get supply from local growers. And our aim was, well, what they can't grow, we will, so that we round it out. But actually it didn't happen that way. In the, in the end, we realised we had to grow most of what we needed. And if others were growing, let's see if there was something they could complement. So you started with the store first and then expanded into growing. Yeah. Right. That's we started with the kitchen work first. And then we soon realised we needed, you know, when you receive a crate of 
kale from a wholesaler and a third of it already doesn't look the best mm. it's like oh how's this working we need something local mm. and then you start mm. trying to find something local and get consistency of supply and it was extremely difficult mm. so we started to become farmers and then we had friends that were interested in farming anyway <laughs> yeah. and we said hey you've been doing this for a long time can you mentor mentor us in this and they said for sure and we're just learning more and more all the time and i love the garden and I think it's an important aspect of what we do here at Whole Grain Organics because for providing fresh produce for the students that they're getting a really healthy, I mean, you can taste a lettuce that's freshly harvested yeah. as opposed to one bought from a shop. Yeah. Mm. And we wanted our customers to have that same benefit. So we've mm. got the production kitchen, cafe, shop, but now we also have the gardens supplying. So when you started the shop, was it always the intention to have students coming in and cooking? And how often does that happen? Definitely. In fact, we started at the youth space. Mm -hmm. It was a community kitchen. And every Wednesday after school, mm -hmm. the, the students that we'd met during the classes, some were really keen. We said, well, let's start cooking together after school. Mm -hmm. And we did that. And then there parents came and ate what they had cooked and it was great because it meant that you had families sitting down eating together mm -hmm. which was another benefit to the whole thing and then we asked that the public library ran that space and we asked the organizers there hey could we do this more often and bring more people because our customers from our food trailer at the time said hey we want to come and take part of that so it was like on a six monthly basis we had these meals and we booked out the youth space area as well as the little kitchen and then the kids said to us, the students said, you know, it should be like this every time. Because mm -hmm. their level of concentration, when they saw real life people eating the food that they made, mm -hmm. their level of concentration just went zooming up. Wow. Mm -hmm. And they were really engaged. So we wanted to do that more often. But we couldn't take over that space, you know. Mm -hmm. So we had to then come up with our own space. And that's when we set up Whole Grain Organics here on the square. And so it was set up for that purpose so the kitchen's all open plan people can see right into the kitchen the students can see right out into the public area mm. so it was built with that in mind and so when you're having the young people come in and, and cook obviously you focus on organics but are there other aspects to what you're growing and serving for customers that are important we do a number of different things with our students so one is meal preparation Organic was important, healthy produce, healthy ingredients was important. The whole interaction with people in the community, not only those coming to eat it, but where that produce is coming from, whether it's our own garden or another, passing on that education that they've received to others. So that whole community engagement was important. But also, what does a healthy meal look like? So you can have a healthy lettuce, you can have a healthy beetroot, you can have mm. healthy grains, and nuts and seeds, but how do you put all that together? And how do you put that together in a combination that makes a healthy meal? Mm. So learning about balanced meals and what nutritional value does that meal give? That was important. And then other classes, it's about product development. So then you're looking at things like, well, if you make this product, what is that shelf life? How long does it need to sit on the shelf? And then that starts bringing in also a whole heap of ethical questions and moral questions, like how do you package that? Yeah. <laughs> and actually, should that product travel very far or not? So what are the real criteria? And we had things like, just because we can, doesn't mean we should. Mm. So those kinds of questions started coming up. 
And that really sparked interest from the students because they were like, yeah, it's not a profit-driven thing. Mm. It's a need-driven thing mm. and needs of the community, needs of the environment have to be considered. So those sorts of questions mm. and education all became mm. important as well mm. as just the supply of those things to the local community. And it's, it seems like in all of those aspects of whole grain organics, the, the education, the health, in the gardens, there's a real strong community and, and local element, and in terms of supporting local producers to provide things yeah. for your kitchen, but also supplying what you produce to mm. local businesses that, that they can also benefit and their customers yeah. can benefit from you know this this great stuff. You know, we would love to be supplying more people locally. Mm. When you look at our ingredients list, they're not the cheapest ingredients. Mm. We want to show that there's value in this from the customer, that they're prepared to value what they are eating, not based on just how good something tastes or how good something might look even, but hey, it can taste good, it can look good, and it's good. Mm. You know, it's good for you, it's good for the planet. Mm. So it's not about how can I use the cheapest ingredients and sell it for the highest price, which is mm. unfortunately a business model that I don't think is good for anyone. Yeah. Mm. So we really wanted to turn that around and, as you say, make it a community-centered thing, mm. which naturally then makes other objectives um, not profit, but what's the best? Mm. That's a growing interest from the community. Growing, it's not the yeah. It's got a long way to go. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. 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 It's early days. Yeah, but it's growing. We we see that because when we used to have our food truck, we would get people coming to us with doctor's slips, saying, "I can't eat this. I can't eat this. I can't eat this. I can't eat this. Um, I know you guys do healthy things. What can I eat?" Yeah. Mm. Yeah. We used to get that all the time. Mm. We don't get that much anymore, but that's Mm. because. We're getting less people with doctor slips, mm. which is really great mm. because now people are seeing that what they eat is important for their health. So they're mm. taking a preventative approach yeah. rather than coming to us once it's like, I absolutely desperately need to do something. Mm. Mm. So we still get people that are radically changing their diet because they've had a health scare. Mm. But we're also getting a lot of people that are just the awareness now of health has risen so much yeah. that they're yeah. interested in it for their own health, for their family's health. Yeah. And I think that naturally leads on to how good is this for our, our environment? Yeah. So what's for the health of the planet as well? So those yeah. things go together and that's really good to see. I was just going to ask, like, do you see that as a really important connection between individual health of the body and the mind mm. and the health of the planet. You know, and, it's a very and strong connection. How does that tie into the way you do things? I think it's a very strong connection. Yeah. Because one can lead to the other. Yeah. Yeah. So if I'm into my organic sustainable gardening, I want to look after that soil fertility. I believe that's mm. best for the planet and I want to encourage that and then see it multiply other places. That would be something I would find quite hard to do if I didn't consider the health of me as well. We talk about how we've got only one planet Mm. and so many people on that planet. Mm. And we look at those calculations and realize we need to change the way we're farming. But let's say we had a brand new planet. We could start all over again. Mm. What would we do with it? Mm. And if we weren't looking after our own health, we would trash that planet just like we've trashed this one. Mm. Mm. And when I realized that, I realized there's a very strong connection between what we're doing here to educate Mm. people in good health 
and the need to also then consider the, the health of the planet. The, the two go together and our customers are there for and our students are there for, interested in both and we certainly are advocates for both of those things. Mm. So people that want to radically change their diet, they're now interested in gardening. Mm. It's just really great. It's pretty exciting. If, great. if they're going to garden, well, how are they going to do that? They, they mm. don't want to use sprays and pesticides and herbicides and those kinds of things. And just mm. as somebody comes to us and wants to change their diet, but how? Mm. It's the same question. Um, I want to start in the veggie garden, but how? Mm. And so I'm really excited that we can now be a source of education completely those things. So like in this modern age, questions of nutrition and what is or is not healthy is mm. quite controversial or can mm. be. So from your perspective, what does it mean practically to have a healthy diet? Yeah. You know, that health and what is healthy can vary from person to person as well. Mm. So I think it's a matter of personal experimentation and study to, to know what's healthy. But a definitely whole foods, plant-based diet, I would promote as the healthiest for a person. When we consider even growing vegetables, what we feed our vegetables is, mm. is actually quite interesting and relates very much as well. Right. Mm. So we, we want to look after our soil with that same philosophy mm. as we look after us. So plant-based, whole foods, diet, I mm. think has many advantages. And I think it's important to have a scientific base to that. So in the gardening, we do soil tests. Mm. Um, with us, we can do blood tests. You know, mm. People can find out whether this is something that's really benefiting them or not. I think that's something each person has to do. And then collectively, we can learn a lot because there's so much to learn. You, you always feel as though you're not knowing enough. Mm. It doesn't have to be. We can be more relaxed about it and yeah. just say, hey, yeah. look what I learned today. This is cool. I learned to make this dressing today and I'm not using, you know, or I learned to bake these veggies today and I didn't bake it in a whole heap of oil because, you know, mm. fat tastes good. Mm -hmm. yeah. And fat and sugar combined, I can make this really nice dessert and everybody loves it, mm. but it's not good. Mm. So now how do I do that without those wrong combinations of unhealthy ingredients? And mm. Olive oil is a, is, has some really good properties, but how can I use it in a raw state rather than a heated, concentrated mm. state, which mm. then becomes something that's not aiding health at all? Mm. So then you're looking at it both from ingredients and from methods mm. um, and from combinations of foods. So all those aspects are involved in good health. Mm. And you've got to look at all of them. Mm. Mm. Just another little thing, sorry to ask a question like this, but of course you're called Whole Grain Organics mm. and in this day and age there is also quite a negativity towards gluten. Mm -hmm. but obviously you aren't gluten-free in the restaurant. So mm -hmm. can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah. We've seen a huge increase in the amount of people wanting gluten-free products. We also bake gluten-free products and make meals that are gluten-free. We have a mill room that's purely gluten-free for gluten-free flours and mm -hmm. another mill room that's purely for gluten-containing um, grains and flours. Mm -hmm. And there's a genuine need there Mm. Um, my wife needs to be gluten-free, my daughter, one of my daughters needs to be gluten-free. 
So if someone is celiac mm. and they've been shown that eating gluten is harmful for them, mm. they need to be gluten free. And yeah. you know, it's interesting for a lot of people then they come in with a really downcast face, like, <laughs> oh, what can I eat? But it opens up all these other grains. Yeah. Yeah. Which are also whole grain yeah, yeah, that yeah. are really great. And yeah. in fact, mm. variety is a great thing. Yeah, right. So even if we're not um, needing to be gluten free, we should eat these gluten free grains. Yeah. We should have a variety mm. in our diet. Mm. Yeah. So there's definitely a need to provide for people that, that need to be gluten free. Yeah. There's others perhaps that just want variety. I think that's also a really good thing. Yeah. And there's others for whom eating gluten is. It's not a problem, and I think that's also a good thing, and we mm. should provide for that. But the question behind that is, what is the quality of that food? Mm. Mm. So you can eat gluten-free rubbish, mm. yeah, or you can eat gluten-free quality, mm. or gluten rubbish, or gluten quality. So I think mm. the quality, and that's why we say whole grain, because mm. it can be whole grain gluten-free foods, or whole grain foods containing gluten. Yeah. But when you're eating the whole grain, you're getting all that fiber, you know, when we mill our flour and, it's, and the flour milling technique we use doesn't overheat the grain that it's milling, mm. we get a very fine flour, even though it's whole grain, because of the method of milling we use. Mm. And you have to learn how to bake and cook with those ingredients. But you're getting the highest nutrition too, because the essential oils are still in there. That the mm. germ component of the grain is, is still in, contained in that flour. Mm. Or, in that risotto, if you make a whole grain risotto. Mm. I mentioned risotto because try making a whole grain risotto or, or mm. we do a pizza. And mm. traditionally pizza is you know, zero, zero, zero flour. Yeah. You know, yeah. It's been stripped of all its vitamins. Mm. There's still some nutrition in it for sure. But when you look at the B vitamins, for example, they're all gone. Mm. Whereas in the whole grain form, they're there. So now you make a pizza with a whole grain. We mm. have, and it's delicious, and we've even had mm. some people tell us they've travelled all around the world mm. and they love this pizza. Yeah. Mm. They said they've eaten a lot of pizza. Yeah. Yeah. We can attest to that too. Yeah. It's a good pizza. And this is whole grain. So that proved to me it's possible. Mm. And when I decided to be mm. dairy-free, so I'm also dairy-free, I thought, well, that's it. I used to love cheese, but mm. the hard cheeses especially are mm. not good for your digestion. So we thought, okay, mm-hmm. that's it, no more pizza. And I stumbled across a pizzeria where I learned to make this pizza. And I thought, wow. Mm-hmm. And that was my first experience in seeing that hey, if we put our thought into this, and if we mm-hmm. mindfully prepare food, it can be healthy, and we don't have to go without. We don't feel like we're being deprived of anything. Because mm-hmm. as soon as people feel as though they're deprived, that's when all sorts of bad stuff happens with diet and yeah. those sorts of things. So no need to be deprived. Mm-hmm. And you can have really healthy ingredients. A whole grain is very possible, mm-hmm. whether you're gluten free or gluten. But quality, mm-hmm. that's what we're aiming for is quality. With your growing as well. What are the kinds of things that you would put into practice to maintain healthy soil? Yeah, this is something, this is our largest learning curve at the moment, and we're really fortunate to have people that are many years experienced helping us. And what I'm learning from them at the moment is to always keep that soil covered. So we grow cover crops, which is not only benefiting the soil in terms of live roots in the soil, but it's also providing us with a mass of cover that we can then 
cover the soil and plant into. So it means our soil is always covered, it's always got large roots, and that's making a really healthy environment for all those soil life. Mm. And that soil life is benefiting the nutrition of the plants and the ability to take up nutrients mm. and give us vegetables that are nutrient-dense mm. vegetables. And we can see that when we, we monitor it by taking soil samples, getting soil tested, but also just like a very quick spade test diagnosis to see the structure of that soil, how compacted or not it is, how soluble it is for water, all those things. And, you know, we're then also learning about crop rotations and families of crops and how often they need to be rotated and those kinds of practices. There's a big permaculture group and I've got nothing against permaculture and I think that's also really good. But what we wanted to do with our students was do something that's more of a commercial scale that mm. can also be home garden style. Mm. So you can have it as large or as small or as commercial as you want. So we've got rows of broccoli and rows of lettuces and rows of leeks. But how can we do that and build soil fertility rather than deplete the mm. soil? Mm. Because it's in that commercial area where we're really seeing a lot of damage being done. Yeah. So we wanted to prove in that space that you can do it thoughtfully and you can build even soil fertility and provide for the population good quality, nutrient-dense veggies. And that's something which we're learning a lot. I just think that if more growers and more farmers could make that work, you know, and if your model proves that that is possible, both commercially while still building the fertility of the mm -hmm. soil, then that would just completely transform our food systems. And, and then again, back to why whole grain organics are so amazing, it is healthy for us as individuals yeah. as well as humans. And we're seeing that happen. So we are seeing farms converting to the style of gardening that we're using that are grown commercially. And that's really great to see. The guys that mentor us, they have been doing this for a number of years and they grow 50 different varieties of veggies. Mm. And they've developed machinery also to plant and to mulch and mm. all that kind mm. of thing. And, and they're seeing interest now from larger farms wanting to do this. And I think that's a huge step mm. for taking care of our planet. Mm. I think there's probably also a really big conversation to be had about the fact that we just don't grow a lot of stuff that we eat in New Zealand. I mean, you have a mill, and so you'll mm. be milling grains mm. and crops and stuff, but you know, do you find it hard to find organically grown grains in New Zealand to mill, and does that worry you if you do find it hard? Mm. Yes. Um, for example, we can't we can't get supply of things like kamut, mm. kamut grain, mm. which is a really nice grain to work with, but we just can't get it unless it's imported. And we didn't want to do that. Smelt grain was the same problem. There was one year where our supplier of spelt had a bad year mm. and it meant we couldn't get the grain. Mm. But now there are more and more, there's starting to be more and more. I was contacted by a farmer in Lenham the other day that said, hey, I'm growing spelt now. There's a farmer here locally in Bills that's is now organically growing spelt uh, and, and we sort of partnered with them to support them in the growing of spelt by saying, hey, we'll, we will take X amount, mm. um, so many tons of, of grain, and in order to support him to do that and mm. so that there's a, a greater level of security for him to do that and benefit that people can get a variety of whole grains. More and more people are buying home mills, you know, little yeah. benched up home mills, and yeah. so they want grain. They want, yeah. to, they want to 
have the benefit of freshly milked flour, mm. and they need grain too. So mm. if we can support that, that's what we're about. We would really like it if people were to do all these things at home. Yeah, right. Mm. You know, so we have a recipe blog where people can take recipes. We're just really bad at keeping it up to date because we've got a lot to do. But <laughs> every, now, every now and then we'll have a spurge and say, hey, let's put these four recipes on there. Yeah. And so our main thing is education so that people can do this for themselves at home. And if we can mm. connect those, but, but what we found is um, people still need a supply of these things. Mm. So mm. that's where we have our online shop. That's where we have the shop people can walk into there was a need for that. But. So why do you want people to be doing more of this stuff themselves? Because it's not good to keep it for ourselves, you know. So we have a philosophy that's based around live to give. So if people can garden for themselves, that security is, what do you call it, that uh, resilience is really high. It's a really healthy thing for them to be doing, to be able to provide for themselves, people to know how to cook. You know, if you want a healthy diet, you can't buy your meals every night of the week, you know, or every day of the week. So um, you have to learn to cook. But being dependent on somebody else all the time is also mm. not a healthy thing. Yeah. So if we can help people to become independent in these things, that's great. Then it will multiply, and then it will become just more of a way of life. Mm. And and that's why we're a social enterprise. It's it's not about mm. keeping something for ourselves from which we can have an advantage. Mm. It's about how can we be of real benefit mm. to others? And that's that live to give philosophy. Mm. Yeah, spread it, let it multiply. Yeah, like the gardens. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, definitely. We face this a lot when we talk about transitioning to less wasteful lifestyles because a mm. lot of that is about making things from scratch and, and cooking for yourself and that yeah. kind of thing. But, you know, what we often hear is, well, we don't have time, you know, mm. like where people really feel quite reliant on the convenience mm. lifestyle. And, yeah. and do you think that's a barrier for you in terms of advancing both growing and teaching people how to cook? No, not really. Oh, yeah. Um, Go on. Because um, that's how we even started was we were cooking for ourselves at home. So rather than be a barrier, it's developed into 220 students through every week last year. Mm. So it's not been a barrier. And I think when... There's a lot of other benefits, social connections that um, you get from doing these things. You know, we have a lot of people ringing up saying, you know, at the end of last year with Christmas time, we had companies wanting to do Christmas functions mm. and they were interested. It wasn't a barrier. They were interested in coming rather than just going to, say, a restaurant and have dinner. Yeah. They would come and cook the meal and eat it. Oh, mm. that's cool. You know, so they want to do, people are interested in it. Yeah. So rather mm. than being a barrier, it opens up all kinds of possibilities. Mm. I do understand the time factor. It is more preparation to prepare a meal from raw ingredients but that's where skills come into it learning skills learning combinations mm. of foods learning that simplicity is a key mm. and then you feel it you know you're, you're, you feel healthier you feel more mm. energy so there's lots of benefits that outweigh any negative but then you have to make that lifestyle choice yeah. you know, and we're going to take that choice mm. and, and I think the more people that make that choice, probably the more we'll learn from each other good ways of doing things and we'll find it's actually, it's not such a hurdle as we maybe thought it was. Mm. Yeah. Because a lot of people don't even talk about it as a choice. Like mm. they say, I yeah. I literally don't have the time to do this or whatever, yeah. you know. And, yeah. and 
nice for you. Yeah, <laughs> but, but they just create that barrier like they don't even yeah. want to consider it because it's going to be too much. And But yeah, but then I suppose that's why the education arm of what you do is so important is to mm. actually just make it accessible and real to people that and it doesn't have to be such an arduous thing and maybe working with the young people as well that's like so then it becomes their normal before yeah. they get to an age where they're like i'm too busy i can't maybe the young people that are being exposed to a whole heap of food types that maybe they wouldn't have chosen mm. and discovering heaps of new textures and flavors and combinations mm. of food that they are starting to take home that's pretty cool. Yeah. yeah, and the discussion reminded me of a friend that um, she loves spiritual music. So she quickly put it together the night before and her breakfast is there in the morning. I mean, that wasn't long. And she showed me how she does it and I thought, wow, that didn't take long. Yeah. <laughs> you know, so I don't know that necessarily is about I haven't got enough time. It could also be about I don't know what I'm doing. Yeah. yeah. But if we keep things simple... Yeah, I don't know that it's going to take more time necessarily. Some things, yes, yeah. and that's where, okay, we want to provide people with a flower because, okay, if they have to mill the flowers themselves. Yeah, because <laughs> yeah. you guys make pasta you as make well. Pasta, and if they have to make the pasta themselves. Yeah. So, yeah, if we can take some burden off that time pressure, mm. they can still fit it in their day and have something really healthy. Yeah. But a lot of these time-consuming foods actually, you know, back in the day were special occasion foods. They weren't everyday foods, mm-hmm. I think. And I think that maybe that's something that we would all do well to remember is that, mm-hmm. you know, eating simply but focusing on the quality of the ingredients is probably the best way that we can improve our diets without taking heaps of time. We, we teach our students to look at the labels. So how to read labels, food labels. Mm-hmm. We take them to different shops and and we read through all the food labels, we come back and analyse it, and then one of their briefs might be, okay, how can you do that product with good ingredients, and what would that food label look like? And they, they investigate into that. And then they might go out and buy from several different places a, a cake or a, whatever it might be, a biscuit or whatever it is that they're developing, and um, then develop their one and put it alongside it and say, well, is it appealing? Does it look good? Does it taste good? Is it good for you? Ingredients and compare them all. And that they come up to their own conclusion. Mm. Mm. And um, then they realise, why aren't we making food this way since I like the taste of this better? It looks good and the ingredients are good. But then that straight away gets into the ethical questions around food production. Mm. And then they realise, okay, if we would do more home baking, we wouldn't be dependent on production facilities that crank out a whole heap of food and have mm. a shelf life that's so long and be able to be distributed right through the country mm. and therefore need all that. But if it was yeah. a locally way, or even if I make it at home, then um, it's fine. Yeah. And not to mention the packaging of those things, mm-hmm. you know, a big scale, you need to yeah. and be able to distribute it far and wide. Yeah, yeah. It's got to be standardised and usually disposable packaging. So... And, and you, you did mention earlier that, uh, you know, with some of the things you do, you do come up uh, against some of those issues, those dilemmas of mm-hmm. how do we package this to make sure it's fresh, yeah. make sure it arrives yeah. in good condition, but minimise the waste. And again, the answer is education. If people could do it for themselves, yeah. this gets eliminated. And, and um, for example, I'm sprouting grains. Mm. Uh, we make a sprouted grain bread, which is super nutritious. And I've now got friends who are making sprouted soy milk. Wow. Oh. 
and I've got a friend, another friend who's in another kitchen who's making uh, sprouted almond butter because the sprouting process is making available those nutrients which would be locked in by that, the phytic acid that mm. is naturally occurring so that that food doesn't go nowhere. But could we distribute widely uh, sprouted soy milk? It would need to package it in such a way that it would ha- be counterproductive mm. to our aims. Mm. So if there was somebody that knew how to make the sprouted soy milk in each area, it would yeah. be no yeah. problem, you know? Yeah. So that's yeah, where yeah. education is needed. Yeah. And the, and the desire from people to have something really healthy. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. In terms of um, what you do produce and distribute locally, we know that with your muesli and your pasta mm. and stuff like that, you deliver that to people. And I know right right across the other side of the square, there's yeah, a shop yeah. that you just take things in a big... That's great. Right, you just container. carry the container, just walk across the square and give it to, to Bron. Yeah. We also um, send some to a bulk food store in Wellington. There's a couple in Waiheke we were talking about earlier. Yeah. So, yeah, in that case, I, I like it when it's bought as a, as a bulk product because I, I don't need to package it. So we put it all in a cardboard box and off it goes or... Or we have a bucket system where we continually reuse those buckets, which is really great. Because do you feel better as a supplier mm. delivering stuff with minimal packaging? Oh, absolutely. Mm. And in fact, we will be heading more and more in that direction. I mean, at the moment, we also pack our bulk goods down into a kilogram or 500 gram or 250 gram packages. And we use plant-based cellophane for that. But we also have our bulk bins downstairs, and I love it when someone walks into the shop with their jars and says, can we, they've got the label at the top, this is almonds, this is cashews, this is yeah, pumpkin yeah. seeds, whatever, and they drop it off in the morning, so I'll be back after lunch to pick it up, and our team fills it up for them, or mm. that kind of thing. And so I like the fact that there's more and more bulk stores. I think um, we've got to do that in a very hygienic way. Yeah. Yep. Um, but as long as that's done, I think it's a really great initiative. And we should be looking at it more. Mm. And it should be localised. Yeah. Well, that's the great thing is it goes hand in hand with local mm. produce because it's easier mm. to get to minimise the packaging if mm. you're going for local growers. So We did a market day in the, in the, the store you're talking about, Beef Regrosser, on the other side of the square. We did a market day in their store. So mm. we just harvested vegetables that morning mm. and then laid them all out on the table. No packaging at all, just all nice yeah. and loose on top of the table. Yeah. And people could come in and get their veggies that way. You know, yeah. you're, you're, it's harvested that morning, it's in their house that day. We got some that yeah. day. Yeah, yeah. yeah it was very we delicious. Yeah. Some yummy broccoli and some yeah. great yeah. kale. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So we would like to do more and more of that. And we're looking to supply several places between Palmerston and Wellington at the moment. And we're looking to do our own delivery. You need a certain volume to be able to do that, to make the travel and everything worthwhile. But yeah. But then people can get produce harvested that morning and it's like a market table in each of those stores. So mm. we've got four, possibly five places interested in mm. that's sort of the minimum we need to be able to make the produce really affordable as well and sustain it so that we can keep growing the vegetables. I mean, what's local in terms of growing local as a whole in New Zealand, mm. in terms of vegetable, I guess, lower North Island. And for those fortunate enough to be right near where there's a, an organic market garden, well, that's extremely local and that's the best of all. So inspiring to be able to talk with you. And it was so yeah. wonderful to go and see the garden today. Mm. I just really love how many different aspects you connect up that are really important 
for future societies, a healthy society is healthy planet. Yeah. And that's where community comes in because no one person can do that. Yeah, yeah that's, that's right. right. So yeah. it needs a team of people and, and even better, the community to yeah. be involved. Then those things can all be connected. Yeah. Otherwise, you're leaving the burden too much on one person. That's right. So community effort. Yeah, yes. that's right. Oh, thanks very <laughs> Thank much. Thank you. Thank, Thank you so too. Much.